And now, here's your host, Alessandra Torrezani. Welcome to uh, these, <laughs> look at these beautiful souls that are coming through right now, my camera. I am here with August McLaughlin, and I'm also here with my new friend, Jamila Dawson. I don't know if we're friends yet. I'm going to consider we're, us being friends. She's like, well, I don't know if we want to go there yet, Alessandra. I don't know how this interview is going to go. Um, <laughs> but I am so thrilled to be here. You are both the co-authors of With Pleasure. I'm holding the book up. I'm going to post the video as well so you can all see. Um, Managing trauma triggers for more vibrant sex and relationships. To say that this book was exactly what I needed in my life um, is a complete understatement and not in a, oh, my sex life is terrible or my relationship is terrible and my marriage on a side note, I'm not wearing my wedding ring and I just want to say I'm happily married. We can't find it in the house. And he's like, this is not the right, the <laughs> best way to start an interview about, oh, my relationship's great, but I can't find my ring. Um, so I just want to start <laughs> off. We're real good. We're real good in our marriage. Um, but there was more in this book that I learned about my own sexuality and my own trauma that I went through. And so many things came up. Um, before we get into this, I would love, I, I know the Emotional Support audience knows you, August, but I'm going to have you start and give just a little intro um, as to who you are. And um, yes, please, this is your, your you know, uh, American, uh, what is it? Uh, Miss America moment. We'll let you have your Miss America moment. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I'm so happy to be here, Alessandra. Thank you Aww. so much for having me back so and for having both of us in our, our book featured. Uh, so I'm a health and sexuality writer and a podcaster as well. I have a show called Girl Boner Radio. Yes, and you do. Yeah. It's kind <laughs> of... It's a narrated podcast, so it's full of true stories. You have appeared. Oh, so I had so fun, much fun. fun. And Jamila, please let the emotional support audience know who you are. I can't wait okay. to post this video. Your smile is just like perfection right now. So I'm just like <laughs> loving this. I'm already having a great time. It's okay, three good. minutes and 16 seconds in, I'm having a great time. Good. Um, my name is Jamila Dawson, and I am a sex and relationship therapist. Um, I'm licensed in California. Um, and yeah, I was a sex educator for good eight years and then went back to school to get my master's in clinical psych. Knowing like I love talking about sex, I love helping people have better sex relationships. Um, I could go on and on, but that's that's the juice right there. And how did you two create magic together? Mm, that's always an interesting story. Um, <laughs> I always like to have August tell it first. <laughs> so you might appreciate this as a host yourself, but I had Jamila on Girl Boner. Oh, amazing. And she came into the studio. Yeah. And this was, I want to say, mid-2019-ish. Mm. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. And we were exploring a bunch of different topics. I had an idea for this book. I'd been working on a proposal for it. And as Jamila was talking about... Um, pleasure and trauma and managing trauma mm -hmm. and the ways that it can impact our lives and also the vital importance of pleasure throughout our journeys when we're going through difficult times. I was so moved and I, it's almost like I had this little girl me inside that was like cheering and going, maybe she'll be in the book with me. Like I oh. need to ask her if she can. And wow. I was so excited and Thankfully, I am an adult and I paused my inner You child. are? I said, Good. I'm not. Sometimes. I'm, I'm a blend for sure. Uh, but I, I told the little girl to, okay, great enthusiasm. Let's, let's hang on a second so that it wasn't like, hi, I just met you. Do you want to be in this book? Right. And yeah. And so I, I waited at least five minutes. Uh, I, don't, I don't remember how long it was, but it was gradually, initially, I thought I was going to interview a range of experts as I typically do as a right. journalist. And it occurred to me that for this book, it, it, I just kept hearing her voice in it. Mm. Like this is supposed to be, it would be such a, a beautiful and brilliant and powerful experience to have the two of us, you know, co-writing this. Right. So first I asked her to write the foreword, then I asked her to be co-author, 
I'll let you take it from there. (laughs) (laughs) And it really, it's, I love our story because it's to me such a, it is a story of like taking a risk and Mm -hmm. having some trauma and trying to, to see if you can have a different experience, um, even while scared. Mm -hmm. So I had gone on, um, August's podcast and I always go into anything new in, and this is my protection of like, I'm here to do the thing. I'm here to do it excellently. And then I'm here to go like, do it and get out. And, um, but I had a great experience, but I just left it at like that. Mm. And, um, by the time August contacted me to ask me to do the forward and then asked me to co-write it. I had had um, a very messed up experience with another well-known sex educator. Very, wow. like, it was a racist experience, um, just flat out. And there was no accountability. Um, just So I was, and a friendship, the friendship also dissolved because oh. of this. So I was just in a very raw place. It was another white mm. woman, sex therapist or sex educator. And so, and then here comes August with her lovely <laughs> A self. white girl who is a sex exactly. therapist who is literally, you're right. facing the, the exact trauma that happened to you in your face. Wow. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. And, um, you know, everything in me was like, nope, mm-hmm. nope, absolutely not. And so I, but I, because of my own work, I was like, hey, let me like have a conversation, have a conversation mm-hmm. that's a transparent one. So I did. And August showed up in a way that, for me, told me, like, take one next indicated step. Right. Like, she responded in a really human way. Let's just keep going Mm -hmm. until we have enough information to say continue on or not. And here we are. Like, there was always a next step that we could take. It's so wild. It's like a true courtship. You know, I mean, that's the thing is, is what I think people don't recognize um, and at no fault at anyone just in in life. We don't recognize these things that partnerships with work, um, especially with work. It is a relationship. It's a marriage because if this book, right, is is a total failure, then you're going to blame each other instead of being like, okay, you know what? What can we do to make the second one better? And you don't want to hate somebody. You have to truly commit and know that for better or for worse, we are going to get through this. Um, And lucky for you, I think you have a hit and I think you have the next secret book um, as far as I'm concerned, because that's what this truly (laughs) like how it moved me. Um, So I think that we are already off to a great start. So I love that. And I love how freaking evolved you are, Jamila. I am not that evolved to be like, I'm going to face this that just happened. If someone messes with me and like fucks me over, I'm like, you're dead to me. Anyone that looks like you, it's over. Um, But I should be better about that because I, I, it's not even a a long story or a short story. It's a little story. Um, I auditioned for a show um, when I was 18 years old. No, I'm Gosh, I must have been 16 or 17. I had just gotten my license and I was a baby and I really wanted the show so badly. And I went to producers and then I got to the director and the writers and then the studio. And then I met with the head of network and I did this performance in front of, I think it was like 45, like, you know, straight white male, like angry guys that didn't want me to be there. But they all loved me, except for the president who said that I reminded him of his ex-wife even though I was 17 years old, you know, um, and I had just, and that was it. And he was like, I can't, you know, and it was a big fight with the network. And they're like, he's like, I just, I can't, I can't, you know, watch her energy because it reminded me. And I, and Mm. I never forgot that. Um, obviously it's something I haven't worked through. Um, (laughs) cause I'm 34. Clearly it was Uh, something he hadn't worked through. (laughs) Clearly there were a lot of things he didn't work through, but it was interesting, right? Because you're like, wow. And I'm not saying that the other person probably wasn't better. That's not what I'm, this isn't a, you know, egotistical thing. It's just a story of, you know, wow, we really, you know, when things remind us and trigger us, sometimes you just can't get over it. And it could be the worst decision in the world. And how blessed you are that this is the field that you're in and you were able to face 
in quote unquote, the demon head on and say, you know what, I'm going to go forward with this. Um, and you created magic, both of you. So I would love to just like get right into my, my notes. I just have so many wonderful things I've like highlighted. Um, but I, I'm telling you girls, you're like, this is a, this is a mess. I have to tell you, I got this book delivered to me. Um, and I read the first chapter and I loved it so much. And I'm someone that can't commit to reading. I'm a really, it's not that I don't enjoy it because I do love reading, but I have such, you know, um, I'm not diagnosed with ADHD or anything, but I, I just have, I, I get very like, oh, I want to do this. Oh, wait, I'm going to do that. Like get very excited. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And I oh, went man. away to the desert this weekend yeah. and my husband was like, bring a book, you know? And I'm like, oh, you know what? I'm going to bring with pleasure because what an asshole I would be if I was interviewing <laughs> these lovely people and didn't read their book. And I know a lot of people that do that. So I was like, I'm not going to be that. I can't even tell you. I read this in one day. Um, and oh like I couldn't I got a sunburn I blame you too like I couldn't get out <laughs> oh, no. I couldn't I just was so enthralled and excited um but there were a few things that I just thought the audience um you know the listeners are just gonna absolutely freak out about um and I want to say my first thing that I read uh that I that I noted in the book um mm -hmm. was something Jamila you said um saying that trauma is a reasonable response to extraordinary events you are not broken mm -hmm. that was so powerful for me um I can't I have chills right now just thinking about it because it, it, it's something that w when I reface my traumas over and over which I do quite a lot especially a lot of them happened in the business that I'm in being an actress you know mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. and they weren't you know intense me to sexual traumas, but, but traumas of, um, you know, you're not good enough. Uh, as simple as you remind me as, as your ex, as my ex-wife. So you're not going to get the job because of that. You know, it's the constant rejection. And so there has been a moment during quarantine, um, you know, a year ago where I was like, but what's the purpose? Like, what what did I do acting since I was nine years old for? Mm. And I felt mm. so broken because there was no option to go back to work. That wasn't a thing. Um, and so when I read this, I was like, wow, I am not broken. Um, how did you come to this, this like fantastic, you know, just wow, this, this moment of being able to put that into words? I think part of the biggest part was, <clears throat> excuse me, was um, I think in terms of themes and patterns, and I also, for better and for worse, I pay attention to pain. Mm, and I love that. Um, when when I've sat across from my clients, and even when I was a sex educator working in different adult stores, what I would really see was this sense of um, there's something wrong with me. There's something mm. wrong with me. It felt like that was like the undercurrent. Um, that people feeling there was something profoundly wrong with them. And I knew, and again, for better and for worse, I have this kind of like core that's like, no, you're yeah. not wrong. There is something wrong, but right. it is not you. Right. It is like this culture of sexism and racism mm -hmm. and classism and all these things. And so um, it just kind of, you know, years of, of sitting across from that, um, I just had to distill it into this, like, you're not broken. Yeah. Your body is working to get you from moment to moment. It's ex working exactly as it should. That oh, may I not make that. you feel good right now because you're in pain, but this is exactly what it's designed to do to get you to live. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I just wanted people to know that. Oh God, I just, I, I love, I love that. I, I, August, I don't know if you have anything to add to that, but I, I think that that's, and I know that you and I, in our interviews, you, you've talked about, you know, being broken before, um, and how it's not, it's not just you, right? It's, it's circumstantial events that are going on around you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that you pulled that line because that idea is something that Jamila shared in our first interview. Oh, wow. And it was one that really resonated with me on this deep level. And it was also this, when I finally had the realization that I wasn't broken after mm -hmm. going through some really difficult stuff, 
that's when I knew I wanted to move forward with this this book. I mean, mm-hmm. that's really when the idea formulated. Um, so I have so much empathy for folks who feel that they are broken because right. that feeling can become kind of a new layer of trauma and it's a hard one to to navigate oh it's such a it's such a huge layer well I just I I love that line and when I first read that I was like all right here we go like <laughs> this is gonna be oh oh what and done I'm gonna do this in one night this is gonna be everything and more I remember I sat to dinner with my husband that night and I was like wait you have no idea and then this and then that and then this he's like okay like calm down let's start like one chapter at a time and dissect it from there anyways I love that but this moment when you were talking about self-love is a verb let me tell you I have such a hard time with the words self-love and with the words self-care and the amount of times that I have sat in big conferences watching these huge people that are getting paid so much money to give advice to others. Um, and they're like, you know, right on your mirror on a post-it, like you're beautiful today. And I'm like, Mm-mm. right. Okay. That's great. Like we can do that, but that's not going to help, you know, my manic episode and, and Jamila, I know that August knows this, but I live with bipolar one disorder. So for me, mm. it's, mm. it's, it's a lot for someone to say that, you know, uh, saying you're beautiful in a mirror is really going to be the thing that cures the the chemical imbalance in your brain. Um, it's real it's cute. Like, oh, all this time it was just a dry tree <laughs> right. on a mirror. Oh, my God. You know, <laughs> let's. And so when you were talking yeah. about, you know what I mean, how how it's so popular on Instagram for people to go on there and be like, oh, self-care, self-love. Like, how are we doing it? It's real sweet and all. Um, and it's great. It's a little thing that you can do, but it, it is a verb. It is a commitment. It is a practice. And so when you said that in, in August, when you guys were writing this, you know, what is something that you do uh, for self-love that is an action? That is, that that's the verb that you would use. Maybe August, you want to start. Oh, this is a good one. For me, physical movement is really soothing mm, always. Yep. And so I have a porch swing that I like to go on and cute nature and the fresh air, uh, petting my dog for sure. If you pet her belly, she lays on the floor. And like yesterday I was doing these exercises on the sofa with my legs in the air and she imitated me. I mean, that's not probably what she was doing. I'm just telling myself that, but I'm like, we're in like doggy aerobics together. Um, so animals are huge for me for sure. Um, and then also solo play or masturbation, whatever you want to. Right. It, um, I think is has been a really empowering form of self-love for me to to really mm-hmm. connect with my body too mm-hmm. and to feel present. Um mm-hmm. oh, and I to love really that. give yeah. my give my body in a love that you can't get from a little post-it note, right? To actually feel this mm-hmm. embodiment of the of physical touch. Right, right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Jamila, what about you? Oh my. Uh, in some ways, <laughs> like it's what I love about this idea is like, it seems so little and yeah. then the more you do it, it's like, it just becomes bigger in all these different parts of your life. So I think of, again, because I have to think in patterns, I'm like, okay, what is love? Which led me to like, well, I think it's actually kind of a box word, meaning like mm-hmm. there's other things in it. And so like, okay, then love is like respect. Well, how do I show myself respect? Mm-hmm. Ah. So I had to learn about like boundaries and like practicing how to have boundaries. And then it was also like, how do I hold myself to a different standard? Like, how do I be somebody that I really like, like and trust? Mm -hmm. So I had to learn how to like, what am I going to promise myself? So Mm -hmm. I do little things like I promise myself every day that I'll like take my meds, make up my bed and like read something uplifting. Um, Again, like similar to August, like self pleasure, Mm -hmm. um, which can be both sexual, but I love skin stuff. Mm -hmm. So I like will exfoliate every week. Um, I like to read philosophy. Um, I'm an Epicurean, if everybody should look that up. Um, Like that's, and that too was kind of influenced um, me to to join this book with August of like, to be an Epicurean just means to really live well. Mm -hmm. Um, And what does that mean? So I would say like, those are, it's like physical things, but it's also kind of character building things. 
Oh, I love that. Not in a rigid way, but in a no. yummy, like, I want to live in like a good, full, vibrant way. Yeah. And I think it's important, you know, for us to really be able to physically feel that as well, right? Because you can say things in your head and you can even say things out loud, which I think are really great, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. But I think that there is something so important for us all, you know, whether it is, you know, uh, self-play, is that what you said? Self-play, is that how we say it? Self-play, self-pleasure, self-pleasure, self-play. Who am I? I'm a, who am I like getting in with the lingo? Um, (laughs) (laughs) You know, but, but, you know, it's as simple as like, for me, I make sure that I take a bath and not for relaxation purposes as, as silly as that sounds, but Mm -hmm. I have a very hard time. Like I said earlier, focusing on things. So when I'm in the Mm -hmm. bath, it's actually when I do my best work or like when I'm in the shower. Yeah. I put up my sides up. I duct tape, I duct tape them. I, I, I tape them to the, the, um, glass, uh, glass wall. And that's how I learn my lines. And I give myself like 10 minutes it's in the shower and that's how I have to learn my lines and I learn it quickly efficiently to the point and it keeps me busy because I'm like right washing my hair shaving my legs like doing all this stuff but it's keeping me focused um so there's certain things like that oh, that, that that brings me my my self-love to myself and it's through action so I just I love yes. that I love that there was another moment in the book that just made me laugh that reminded me of the the post-it note that someone had said in in this big um, conference. I remember my friend Ivana and I were sitting next to each other when it was happening and they were like, oh, you know, just say you're beautiful. And we're like, are you fucking kidding me? You get me off my medicine and you're going to see what self-love is all about. Um, But but it reminded me um, of when you were talking about how everyone is an expert. And I and I believe I'm writing it down. Is it Kirby, no, Jeannie was talking about um, her daughter um, who unfortunately lost her life in one of these uh, like woo-woo guru, you're going to get better events. And it was so tragic how it happened. And it it was a hot stone uh, room. I don't know. It's tragic. But it was just the point being of when you have these, you know, self-proclaimed prophets and gurus that are like, if you do this, you're going to be cured and you're going to, and I tell you the amount of people that I meet, um, from now being in this mental health world, you know, Mm -hmm. you're just like, come on, you can't possibly believe these people. And then you see their following on Instagram. And I think that that's the most like telling thing of all. And then you see that they host these huge events and people are flying all over the world to follow them and do all these weird experimental things. And let me tell you, I am someone that is a firm believer in like woo woo, like go the distance, do the craziest shit in the world, but also listen to yourself, right? Listen to your feeling. And that was what she said is like, listen to your body, right? Your, your, your gut instinct. There have been a lot of situations where I'm in, where I've been Mm -hmm. on retreats and I'm like, this doesn't feel right. I'm not going to, I'm not going to go this far. Um, but I think that, that it was so wonderful that you, you both put this in the book because when we are so desperate and so in need of help and so in need of, of being that quick fix, you'll do anything for that quick fix. Right. And it is very dangerous. You know, I'm sure that this wasn't the only story that, that, you both have heard, um, but certainly one of the most tragic, I'm sure, of actually someone losing their life to one of these, you know, self-help kind of things. Like, what what would you say to somebody who was so desperate for change that they wanted to do anything at this point to to feel feel good again? Oh, I mean, it really because that's you're putting your finger on it that they just don't want to suffer anymore yeah and these self-proclaimed experts who have all the answers all the I mean, answers like you, you never hear them say you know what that's a good question i don't know and you never hear them say it's oh oh it's this it's this it's this it's this, it's this and this program and this book and this pro- and da 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 yep 
And what I say to people, and this is why I want people and why I'm so thrilled about the book of, I want people to learn and understand how counterintuitive trauma responses are. Mm. That your trauma response will tell you, go do anything, anytime, anywhere for anybody to stop feeling bad. And really, that's when we actually need to slow down. Right. Don't go speeding towards something. That's when, like, you can't outrun your suffering. Mm. You can't, like, if we could outthink it or outrun it, all of us would have. Right, right. But the right? Like, <laughs> if we could outthink it. I mean, most people that my clients, these are smart, amazing people. They are not stupid. Mm-hmm. Not like that's the thing. People are not stupid. They just don't know how trauma works. And so they're trying to outrun it when really you have to stop and get slow. And then it actually, it's this amazing thing. Then you start moving faster when you learn how to breathe, when you learn how to tend to how you work. I love your example of how you work in the shower. Of like, this right. works for you. Right. It's not weird. It's effective. Right. That's right. how you work. Right. I call it with my clients, my, um, like, I want them to develop their operating manual. Mm-hmm. That oh, they I can love that. Share with other people. Like, that's it. This is how I work. Mm-hmm. So that's what I want people to have experiences with. Go to these different experiences to find out how you work, not be told by somebody else what you should be and how you should work, right. but how you actually work. Well, I think it's also really nice when you say that these are not stupid people because it's so true. You know, the amount of times that I've heard people that are in, you know, in quote, out of quote, cults, right? And, and you know, the sex cults that they talk about, they're like, oh, how could these, you know, women be so dumb that they would follow along? It's not dumb. These are brilliant, brilliant, brilliant people. They just are, are running from trauma and don't know how to stop. Um, I'm sure, August, you've interviewed a lot of people on your show that have been through these kinds mm-hmm. of struggles. Oh, yeah. And one of the most heartbreaking parts is that these are folks who are trying to live well and do better. And it it shatters me. You know, we we're all like none of us are immune to it. I've heard from so many people, including the folks in the book, you know, because we feature all these true stories. And I've I've noticed a theme of this idea that we have to like move past our feelings, decide to be happy. There's this, there's this kind of force against feeling your feelings. Mm-hmm. And so once we do slow down, and that has been a, a challenge for me, it's something I still work on is like, slow down to move further, like really feel your feelings, instead of shaming yourself for having them. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. that's, it's just, it's such an empowering step to take if you can start to see your feelings like almost as your friends, you know, Mm -hmm. your guides, your a cue to take care of yourself, to take a step of self-love or self-care. Yeah, no, I love that. And that's actually a a great, great thing. What also what I was reading, you were talking about um, accountability um, in this book and how it's so important for you to have a cheerleader, to have a support system that's with you, to hold you accountable for things. And I know there have been a lot of things that I've thought, oh, you know what, I'm going to go and try this because it's going to be that quick fix. And I've had the accountability of having friends around me and, and been like, okay, take that step back. You know, you are in a really hard place in your life right now. You owe Mm -hmm. it to yourself, to the people listening to your podcast, you know, to the followers on your Instagram to take care of yourself and do it in a safe way, you know, do it in that kind of way. And I always use the example too of, you know, um, I didn't do season two of emotional support for a long time because I was so defeated by by COVID and I didn't have a mm-hmm. podcast company with me anymore. And I was doing it out of my dining room, which now I turned into my studio. But at the time, it was literally a round dining room table and a chair and me. Um, and I just didn't want to do it anymore. And I had a really dear friend of mine who said to me, you know, he held me accountable. Um 
and he said, you know, you, you, you speak and you preach and you say all this stuff about mental health and that you need, you know, friends to be there and you need a support system. Well, you're letting the people around you who listen to you and depend on the podcast down by not being here sharing stories. Um, and so I was held accountable for that. And I thought, oh my God, I don't want to do this. You know, it was something that I didn't want to do. I was so fearful and I was so, um, I was almost like scared that it would be such a failure and it ended up being the best therapeutic moment for me that I needed because I found connection with the outside yeah. world when I couldn't. So I think that that's very important for you to to make sure, even if there's one person, one person in a self-help group that you meet online, you know, I, I think that it's really hard to find people who are non-judgmental, right? I think we're slowly getting in a better society, but what would yeah. you recommend to people you know who do feel lonely who live you know in the middle of nowhere and don't have you know people around them that are are creating this this stigma free environment from them how can they find those cheerleaders i always have ideas yeah, <laughs> yeah go for it please roll so, into it um I think, like, thank goodness we're living in, like, 2021, even with all the, the crapola, yeah. <laughs> and not, like, 1850. Very difficult to get access to a variety of information in yeah. 1850, especially for Black people and other right. brown Black right. people. But what I tell people, like, whatever works, is it um, watching different TED Talks, listening to mm. an amazing podcast? What is music that makes you feel uplifted? Right. A lot of times, and it's not bad to like listen to music that makes you feel sad. Sometimes we need that to kind of like yeah, click in and get our emotions out. But be careful about listening to that too often. Mm. Um, what are the movies? Like, I'm a big fan of books. Get thee to the any library, a used bookstore, and find books and authors. Like, books saved my life. Like, right. I they gave me a vision of something beyond what I was seeing in my daily emotional world. So I was reading my James Baldwin and I was reading my Audre Lorde and like, and it gave me some sense that it could be different, that people right. understood and that it could be different for me. I love that so, it gave you the vision. Cause I, I know those, that feeling. I know that feeling where you read a book and it's like, right. if it moves you, you can literally see your life go on a different path and a stronger, yes. better path. And yes. you can't, and I'm someone that's inspired by TV, but yeah. it's the imagination, right? It's your own yes, imagination. Yeah. Mm hmm. And then it can totally. be um, like you mentioned on, you know, find a meetup group or find, um, you know, a Facebook group or an Instagram. And, and if you're not sure, make your own. People are waiting for somebody to just say, like, I this is my challenge and this is my hope. And people will be like, that's me, too. Mm -hmm. Oh, my goodness. And then holding a vision that group two people, even just two. But I we are not alone. Right. And like, Alessandra, what you were saying of like, you had community around you right. to remind you, you matter and what you do matters. And we want you to do it safely and for you to be around. Like, that's it. Create community. Mm -hmm. One person, two people at a time. I love, I love that create community. Yeah. It's so important. You know, there was this mm -hmm. app um, um, and it was so wild because no one knew what anyone really looked like other than a picture. And you would get together and you would host these rooms. And there was uh, from, I think in three months, I was able to curate a community of 9,000 individuals from all over the world that wanted to talk about all things mental health. And I had a room called, how are you really? Um, which was asking the question, how are you really? Um, I'm going to do a little part of this um, on the podcast that I'm going to invite and do some sort of live, including people when we do live shows on here, because I want to know that's, that's such a simple question, right? How are you really like, really you know because you learn so much but it was so fascinating how in such a short amount of time I was able to figure out and find other like-minded individuals that wanted to talk about their issues to the point where there were so many people in the group that live with bipolar disorder I was like I am not that special I don't 
don't want to know that there's this many people out there like me. I thought this was really cool and unique. I was like, Jesus Christ, there's thousands out there? Oh, God. Um, And that's how I truly felt. Um, But you realize, and it's something that I haven't been on in a while, and and I should tap back into that, but I got so focused working on the podcast again that I couldn't. I needed to hold myself accountable of what are the important things that are bringing me joy in my life and, and stability. And, but it's just wild how you have no idea how many people crave this conversation. I can't even imagine how many people that were on there that wanted to talk, you know, about sexuality. You know, there was the, the, the largest LGBTQIA plus community I'd ever seen, um, on this app communicating every single day about, you know, their different traumas and triggers and all of, and anytime there was some sort of crazy world event would happen. And you would go on and you would find a room that was talking about it. And you would be like, oh, you see me. I, I'm heard. Yes. I'm, I'm felt. Um, and that. I think that's important. And it just shows that you can truly find it on social media. And just to be yes. wary. And like we said earlier, listen to your body. If you feel that this may be a negative group to be around, you will feel it in your gut. You know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I wanted yeah. to ask you, Jamila, in one of Jamila's reflections in the book. I love that. <laughs> Jamila's reflections. And this is like when you know shit was real. I like how you say it. I'm yeah. like, yeah. I did too. It was like shit's real. Like you better listen because here comes the doctor, you know? Um, I love this. And I need you both to explain this to me because Blondie over here went right over her hand, head. Um, you were talking about paradox. And then you were talking about beware the binary. Um, what What does all of this mean in the book? I'm just going to read just a quick thing. It says, when it comes to trauma, often people have been caught between what should have happened versus what did happen or the feelings they had versus what they thought they were supposed to feel, horror where they expected to feel safe, fear where they hoped to feel comforted. This is not the same as saying everything is relative as there is no moral center, quite the opposite. Can you explain to me of beware the binary and the paradox of this all? This is this is so much Jamila's. Okay, I'm gonna let this piece in particular. I have to say, but I certainly have gone through that myself, and it's you know it's really really challenging, and to um, really embrace that that is you can feel two things at one time. Like Mm -hmm. you can you can love a person who abused you. You know, like there are these really complicated feelings that we can have. This book, we've talked about this, Jamila and I, it's very meta, meaning we both were working through things and having to apply what we were writing Mm. to our lives as we were going and Mm -hmm. learning. And um, I didn't even really realize fully until we were working on this book and we were talking so much about community that for some reason, and I could psychoanalyze and I could go into all these things, but I have just been someone who, when I need to take care of something, I just, I don't ask for help unless it's someone I'm paying. I'm like, I need a a professional. Um, Like I've been pretty good about trying to find a therapist when I need one. I've been pretty good about, you know, trying to seek out and it's still, you know, that's still challenging and, and takes time and effort and all of that. But this sense of there are people who want to connect with me just because they do mm-hmm. was kind of revolutionary to me. Wow. And I hadn't even realized how much still trauma I was managing around, you know, as we, we've talked about, um, I think on the last time I appeared about my ADHD and not understanding my chemistry and, and also the ableism around me and all these things that were so hard. I, I just kind of kept my ADHD journey to myself, Mm. like for years and years, once I knew about it, like I told my partner who's very supportive and was like, great, so happy for you that you understand this, but there's so much stigma that I just kind of kept it in this little bubble. And I didn't realize how much that bubble was suffocating me Mm. until we started working on this book and we were really unpacking this idea of community and seeking support when you need it and all of this. And it dawned on me that I had never had an ADHD community. Wow. I just got chills right now because it was just this moment that shifted things completely for me. Mm -hmm. Um, Because even 
I had seen medical professionals who I always felt like I had to convince them of certain things about me and like right. try to right. seem this way. And are they really yeah. going to help me? Do they believe me? And I joined right after Jamila and I had had this Skype or Zoom call. We're working on the book. I thought, I'm going to find me my ADHD community. And I went <laughs> online and I joined a Facebook group and completely life-changing. I went in wow. and there is that little bit of like, oh my gosh, many, many clones. I mean, yeah. we're all unique, <laughs> right? but you're also like, you, you're so used to feeling unusual, quote unquote, that right. suddenly you're all speaking a similar language. It's wild, and right? It's the most empathetic, like caring, compassionate, like these, they get me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then I, I interviewed one of my favorite experts on ADHD, Renee Brooks, who's featured in the book too. So mm. it's just, Renee it's just, it's incredibly, this book, as Jamila has put it, is very meta. We, we are applying these things as we are writing about it and as we are sharing. Well, I love that. And then Jamila, do you want to talk about the reflections of the, the binary and paradox feelings? Beware of the binary. It's this idea that, again, with, with trauma, anything definitely in American culture, which I think is traumatic. Um, we tend to think like black and white, um, it's this or this, right. right? And we're living gender again, it's this or this. Mm -hmm. And really like, that's not how anything works. Mm -hmm. You know, the, right. by, the, that commercial, like that's not how this works. Where what we see in nature is really is paradox. Things that seem like they couldn't both be true, but they are creatures that are multiple different genders emotional experiences that are both true at the same time. And I want people to, and I, like I said, I, I see this with my clients. That's really where this started, where they, they felt like I either have to hate the person who abused me, or I have to absolutely forgive them, or I have to be in relationship with them. And it was these, like, again, one way or the other, mm -hmm. as opposed to sometimes when somebody has violated us, we still care about that. Mm -hmm. And I can't, I'm not going to participate in making a client feel ashamed of that paradox. Right. Maybe it'll resolve itself and maybe they'll be like, nope, I do actually hate that person. Or maybe it'll always stay that paradox of I both love and hate them. Mm -hmm. Or I, I hate them, and but I'm still going to try to remember them or think of them on their birthday. But making room for what's a way to live through again, this paradox of the trauma. Mm -hmm. And um, in terms of like the body, like that, a lot of times people start having flashbacks or more experiences of trauma when they feel safest. So they find totally. themselves in a relationship that's like the best they've ever had. They're safe now. Mm -hmm. And up comes this fear or anger that's confusing to them. And I'm like, that's the paradox. Mm -hmm. You're safer now. And that's why it's safe enough to actually feel this stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I really, I try to work with them to understand this is trauma and how it's working itself out and then try to get their like partner or partners to also understand because it can be confusing for the partner. So yeah, confusing. Like, I, I think it's so interesting mm -hmm. too. like, you know, when, when you hear someone having a panic attack, you think like, oh, it's because their world is unraveling around them and it's because they can't handle it. And it's absolutely the opposite. It's exactly what you just said. One of my biggest panic attacks that took me to the hospital where I thought I was having a stroke was after I had shot a movie. I had, it was the time of my life. I had flown back. I was walking around my favorite place, the Grove in Los Angeles. If anyone knows, it's like Disneyland. I was like, right. I am shopping. I'm getting my coffee bean right now. Like I was living my best life. And all of a sudden yeah. I was standing there and the, the, I saw complete black and I just got flushed. I could didn't speak. Um, I was slurring my words. I called my mom and I said, I think I'm having a panic. I, I mean, sorry. I didn't say I think I'm having a panic attack. I said, I think I'm having a stroke. And she said, you probably have low blood sugar. Why don't you go and get, you know, a soda or something that's around you or some sort of sugar? And that wasn't helping. My heart was palpitating. I couldn't breathe. And she yeah. came to pick me up and she rushed me to the urgent care. And I was like, oh, no, no, no. I'm having a panic. I mean, once again, I'm saying a panic attack. I, I thought I was having a stroke. And they said, no, you're having a panic attack. And it was actually the second time I'd been brought um, to a medical facility. Um, 
where this had happened. But, you know, you you don't think, why would I be having a panic attack when life is great? Um, And I was happy in a relationship. And, you know, but it's just that reminder of, you know, shit hits the fan when things are usually great because your body is finally relaxed. And it says, no, 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 I'm going to get you this time. (laughs) Right. The body's like, I have some receipts. Here's a folder. I would like to submit these for Right, right. Yeah. 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 And I just want people to to understand like this is we're surviving like our trauma responses that get encoded in our body like that where when we're in like a fight mode all the time or flight mode all the time or whatever, like these just get encoded in the body and it's simply the body trying desperately to like we're just here to survive, not be happy. Just Just survive. survive. Yeah. And August, you, yeah. And August, you wrote, you wrote about your experience in the book um, Mm -hmm. of your first panic anxiety. Um, And it was when you were at your happiest, you were just married. And that's just what's so wild is how people don't understand how it happens. Like when you are at that state of, of pleasure and being and, and bliss. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, it and it felt that baffling to me because of that, mm-hmm. because it was so sudden. And I've later learned that so many of us, because we may have trauma that um, came up when we were feeling really safe. Mm-hmm. As Jamila was saying, like when you're feeling, you're supposed to feel safe and then something scary happens, like those mm-hmm. paradoxical experiences, it brought me back to something I had gone through when I was in the third grade. Mm-hmm. And it took me a long time to connect all of those, those dots, but my body never forgot. Right. And it was just completely dumbfounding. I, I couldn't, I couldn't figure it out. And it took, you know, many, um, many of those experiences to start to finally realize kind of how it all fit together. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I think you're so right about that idea that if, if you have a panic attack, it means that you know, you are really stressed out about finances and you just got, you know, you just bounced a check or something. And I'm like, no, I was in a car going to this wonderful, it was supposed to be like kind of a honeymoon type thing. Mm -hmm. We didn't have a honeymoon because my last dog needed surgery. So we had a Zoe moon and we were on the floor of our living room (laughs) for a month. And so we decided to just do this road trip and go see some really wonderful friends and we were going to stay in this. I mean, literally moments before I'm just like, oh, I feel like better than I ever have. Right. And it mm. just, yeah, hit like a wall. So yeah. I, I get that. It's, it's hard. Yeah. It's so, it's, it's just, it's so wild anyways. And I'm, I, I'll, I will move on, but I just thought that that was wonderful. One thing that I wanted to really touch on, which was something that was so beautiful um is an exercise that um one of the girls um wrote about kim lee i believe is how you say her name and Mm -hmm. she talked about the mirror exercise this is something actually i did when i was a lot younger but it was for auditions and it was for um when i needed to cry uh and taught myself to cry i would do it in the mirror by saying negative affirmations to myself so that was a little different um but it was it was more just like in the character whatever the character you know was feeling at the time and and what whatever and then i i've learned to also do positive ones to myself as well not just the post it and we're gonna get back to there i still can't let it go um but it's about speaking to yourself and how vulnerable it is um I'm just going to read really quickly what she uh, what what Kim Lee's mirror exercise is. And I really recommend um, others practicing this because I actually gave this advice um, in a room before when I was speaking and it was called the I love you room. And I wanted everyone to be able to say I love you to themselves and I love you to a stranger. And while you said it, you looked at yourself in the mirror while you said it. And there were a lot of people that were in this this room that I was hosting um that could not do it and did not want to do it and that was fine I didn't you know say you have to do this or you're gonna die you know no 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 it was more just if you can and you have the ability 
do it because it will bring such pleasure to yourself and and such healing power. And a lot of people were crying when they did it and you had no idea. So I, I would love everyone to who's listening to this, take a moment, stand up, find a mirror. Um, we'll wait for you, da-da-da. Um, and stand before a mirror and look yourself in the eyes. From there, start a loving conversation with yourself as though you're speaking to a beloved friend. Stay there for as little or as long as you feel comfortable using words of self-love, self-compassion, and self-forgiveness, such as, even if I don't, even if you don't believe in me, don't listen to that. Okay. Even if you don't believe it yet, you are worthy of love. I want to take care of you. I'm not giving up on you. I love you. I forgive you. So when I read this, it just reminded me of that. I love you room. It reminded me of the steps that I would do. Um, and it's the actions and it's like getting back to the beginning of our episode, you know, how you can, you can say things in your mind, but actually physically doing things and physically saying something out loud really changes yeah. the vibration in your life pattern. Um, was this something that you had practiced before and that's why you chose to put Kim Lee's mirror exercise in here? Or was it something that was new to you as well? I did it once completely impromptu. It wasn't a guided exercise. Mm -hmm. And this is before I realized that some people do practice some kind of mirror exercise, mm -hmm. but it was a big turning point in the eating disorder that I went through years ago. Mm -hmm. And I'd hit a, a point where it just, I was like, something has to change. I, I just couldn't live the way that I had been. There was, right. there was no pleasure in my life and I was really struggling. And my frustration just sent me to the wall to a mirror and I looked at myself in my eyes for the probably the first time and I don't know how long because I had been looking in the mirror with criticism in mm. my mind I'd been looking at different parts and I was very dysmorphic so I was seeing really distorted um, body parts before and so to see to look into my own eyes there was this vulnerability there that reminded me that I did still, I did still care about myself. Mm -hmm. Like I cared about life. There had to be something better. And so it was, it was completely life shifting for me. Right. And I ended up that night, like trashing all my quote unquote nutrition books that were actually diet books and mm -hmm. snipping mm -hmm. up the size tags out of all my clothes. I mm -hmm. made a commitment. I deleted all the phone numbers of people who were toxic influences in my life. Like anybody wow. who felt like they were fueling this, this disorder. Um, and I gave myself a time window. I said, if for one year, I can just give up all of that. It's going to wow. be my quote unquote cleanse, <laughs> you know, just one year, no matter what happens to me. And a lot of the things I was afraid of did happen, mm. but that year turned into forever. How cathartic. Oh my God. That's incredible. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Jamila, yeah, do you have that kind? Oh, August, you wrote a song? I wrote a song called Mirror Song, actually, what? while I was looking oh in the mirror, too. So, yeah. Yeah, it was actually the, the healing. Every step of healing, it was, it was wild to me what that did to my creativity. Right. I, I hadn't written a song for years. I hadn't played my guitar in years. Like, just started flooding out. My voice was louder. Yeah. Mm. Oh my God. How beautiful. Yes. I got chills. Yes. Yes. I I got chills. That is so beautiful. Jamila, do you ever practice the mirror exercise? Yeah. I think the first time was in college. I think my roommates had thankfully gone away and, um, <laughs> and I just, cause it was complex then. Um, and I think, and kind of, I think similar to, to August, like I just, was feeling so much and I just sat in front of a mirror and talked to myself mm. and looked at myself and saw myself. Right. And it it can be really scary. Mm -hmm. And so I'm glad that Kim Lee, like that she says, like for as little or as long as you can, because this for a lot of people can be incredibly intense. Mm -hmm. Um but it was it was like meeting myself really for the first time. And I liked that girl in the mirror. Mm. And so now um, it's just kind of followed me as like an everyday, like when I see myself in the mirror, I'll usually talk out loud and just be like, hi self, oh. you know, or I'll smile at myself. Like I, I have a lot of like, I'm an introvert. So my 
inner world is very rich. And so I just walk around and like, but it's, I love seeing myself, my eyes, my smile. And it just, it helps me be in my body. You know, one, one last thing that I thought, I mean, because I could go on for, for days about the book and, and spill all the secrets, but I'm not going to, but I will say this, (laughs) I want people to enjoy it for themselves and have their own experiences. But what Mm -hmm. I loved also, you know, not only how we talked about physically, you know, self-pleasure and taking care of yourself and that self-love, that action and using self-love as a verb, how we're talking about the mirror exercise of, of really being able to heal and how cathartic that is. But also at the end of the book, you talked about that there's bravery in writing. Um, That's something that I have a really hard time doing because I love to talk. I could talk to a wall all day long, but to sit and write, I'm like, my hand is cramping. There's all these issues. But truly what I've learned throughout the years is the reason why I have a hard time writing is because I'm so, um, A, I'm so critical about the things that I write that if it's not perfect, I don't want other people to find it. Um, And B, I write so much truth. That's usually where I, you know, have the most truth. Um, Because talking for me is so easy and it's so simple and it's just such a, a... you know, second nature for me to be able to have conversations with strangers, but to have a conversation with myself while writing, um, that's something that's really, really powerful and really intense. And sometimes I don't like seeing the things that, that, uh, my, my subconscious puts out into writing. Um, and I, I find it so true that there is a bravery in writing and the power of that is, you know, um, my husband writes, you know, his morning pages and evening pages every single day. He, he, he makes sure that he takes time to, to write things down. I think that there is something so important and therapeutic in that. And so talk about self-love, you know, know, with it all. August, are you someone that, that finds yourself writing a lot? Obviously you've written a book with, with Jamila, but is this something that you practiced as well? Uh, you know, I did morning pages. Is it from Julia Cameron's book? Oh, um, I don't know. Way. I don't know. He's just been There's doing it for like practice. his whole life. He's just always had that focus. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Well, it's interesting. So with morning pages from Julia Cameron's artist way book, you free write three pages, just let it spill out. And then you can throw the pages away. You know, you can do whatever. And I did that years ago when I was working in acting and fashion. And I learned a lot about myself because Mm -hmm. I too was in a place where the truth was spilling out and it, it was scary. Mm -hmm. Um, I've journaled off and on. I, I have a lot of journals that have just a few pages written in. I've (laughs) never finished a journal. Um, And now, because I am a writer, I spend so much of my time writing mm. articles and for my podcast and you know right. and books when we're working on these projects. And so, um, it's not very relaxing for me to then also sit down and you know write. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but I really value it. I really value it. And I think if I weren't, I was always writing. It's just shifted now to it's my like career and it's what I do. So my quote unquote journaling oftentimes is more my guitar now. Mm. Um, so I, I think I mentioned to you, I, I broke a, a, a bone in my foot recently and it was interesting because I'm like, I can do this. I'm going to take care of myself. You know, like yeah. we're going to make the best of this. Yeah. And I, and that's a good attitude to have. And I'm glad I had it, but very like, good attitude and I've had it, but there's also painful emotions going on, yeah. you know, and I could feel it, but I, it's like, I wouldn't let myself really express those feelings for some reason Mm. until I was home alone and I picked up my guitar and I wrote a song called tripping on daydreams which is how I broke my foot is I was I was daydreaming no so intensely that I was twisted (laughs) my foot um and the song turned and it was really interesting because I was very excited that I'd you know gotten a song out because it always I never write a few words I write a whole song or nothing Mm, and I'll do like three and then for two years nothing and then four songs and then nothing and so this song kind of like flew out of me and uh, my partner was out of town and so I recorded a little part and I sent it to him he's like oh I love it so beautiful are you okay like because (laughs) it was all these dark 
dark feeling coming out. And I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, by the way, I'm fine. Um, You're like, don't stress. Feeling my feelings. Yeah. But so I think that I think having some kind of journaling practice is so powerful. Mm -hmm. And I just don't think it has to necessarily be like pen to the paper. Right, 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 right. Jamila, were you always a writer? Oh, I struggle. August knows that I've struggled with writing. Mm. Like I, I've always written, but mm. I don't think I've ever considered myself a writer. Like I have journals. I have completed a journal, which was, Yay! I was like, wow, I actually like wrote that. But I've been writing both academically um, and then just my journals for my whole life in fits and starts. But what similar to what you were saying, Alessandra, that I was afraid. Like mm. it's yeah. writing for me has, is scary. It is so scary. scary. There's a kind of, um, I was afraid, A, to see what I wrote, Mm -hmm. to see my pain. Right. I did not want to see my pain. Mm -hmm. Um, And I didn't want to feel that. And um, so it's become like, you know, August knows, like many times she had to kind of like midwife me. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it's going to be okay. Get it out. And sometimes I would dictate because Mm -hmm. that would... um, sitting in front of a computer was just super, like, it just would mess with me. And so dictating um, would help and then going back and writing mm. uh, and expanding over it. Um, but that's the thing, like, I'm, I'm more of a reader and a lover of the written word right. than I consider myself a writer. Right. And like I said, like, words. Well, girl, oh. you're crazy because this was some of the best <laughs> writing. So um, I'm going to stop you there and I'm going to use the word crazy because it's my favorite word Thank in, the you. Entire, I actually feel very in the entire world. Um, it was amazing. Um, I, I can't thank you thank two you. enough for being a part of this. I have one final question that I ask everyone. Um, feel free to whomever wants to go first. Um, but what is your emotional support? Yeah, my my emotional support definitely is my partner, Mike, and then animals very much so. Mm. And and friends. Um, that's really important to me. And and I learned that I do need that community piece so much mm-hmm. that, you know, it's easy to get into a space of I can I can handle this. I'm I'm focusing on this and I'm focusing on that. And it's easy for me to slip out of the community piece. And so it's right. something I check in with, with myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I try to routinely. Um, I'm, I'm really close to my parents. We, we text a lot. They live in Minnesota. But uh, yeah, I consider my, my immediate family, my sisters and my brother, even though we don't talk very often, just like knowing they're there is really supportive to me. And then I don't know if this counts, but creativity is. It totally counts. To me. Totally. Yeah. It's, it's huge. Like I, not to be too like dramatic about it, but I, I couldn't, I couldn't manage, I couldn't survive without it. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's probably that and my dog are like number one. I love that. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Um, for me, I'd say um, not an order of importance, but cause I think in terms of like ecological systems, but um, scent like I'm always, Ooh. I have different candles and I also have like a little burning candle right here. So citrus scents. Um, oh. And there's a company I love and I always get their candles. And so like just lighting that and having that scent in the house lifts me. Um, my cat, Edmund, I love you. Edmund! Um, yes. What a name. <laughs> he has Edmund, a little bow tie. Right oh with his little my bow. gosh. Edmund, Loki, Juniper, Barishnikov, Dawson. Obsessed. That is <laughs> that's his full name. Oh, that's, that's beautiful. See, full you are. You're a word artist. I oh that. my gosh, an artist. <laughs> and then finally, like um, BDSM kink, mm. like that, um, which is a whole other conversation. But that is how, like, that's community for me. That's body. That's like pleasure. Um, that practice is profoundly important to me as emotional. Support. Oh God, I love that. Also on a side note, I love how much you get into, and and I didn't highlight this, which is a a surprise. I highlighted the entire book, so I don't know why I didn't highlight this part, but I, I talking about, um, I think one of the key things that I also want to leave people with is 
you speak so highly about the kink community and the BDSM community. Um, and it's something that's not spoken about in normal, um, normal, what's normal. Um, I guess like on, on, you know, it's not spoken on the Disney channel. Um, but <laughs> that's okay. True. 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 But I mean, it's not something, it's not a common, um, a uh, vocab word that we all know, right? And we're all experienced with. And people have very narrow minds and, and visions and views of what sexuality is. And like we said, you know, you talked about it, binary. Everything is not just A and B, right? There's a lot right. in between. Right. Um, there's a whole alphabet of fun. Um, and I think that yes. it's something that you talk about um, so beautifully and so well and how these different types of sexual energies and tools and all sorts of things really truly are healing power and they're healing trauma. And I think that's something we don't hear that often, right? You think, oh, if someone's into bondage, they must be addicted to sex. They must be addicted to this. They must like naughty situations. And it's like, no, sometimes those are the things that heal the trauma that we've been through when we were younger. Mm -hmm. Um, And I Mm -hmm. think that you normalize and destigmatize it and embrace it in such a beautiful, sexy way. And I just, I love it. So everyone, please check out With Pleasure, August McLaughlin, Jamila Dawson. This book is absolutely everything and more. Um, And I can't wait for everyone to read it. And I'm going to put a little Q&A and I will send everyone um, your way. How can they find you? Please, um, through social media, through blogs, through podcasts, please spill it all. Um, you can find me at girlboner.org and search for Girl Boner Radio wherever you listen to podcasts. And I'm on Instagram as jamila.thesextherapist um, and on Facebook as Jamila Dawson. Oh, I love that. Well, thank you so yeah. much. Thank you for oh having us. Thank this you. such a great and conversation. It, oh, so fun. I just what, love your heart and your passion and the thoughtfulness yes. that you, you bring. Um, and if anyone does want to share a snapshot of With Pleasure or something that they loved about it online and they have a public account, um, if they could use the hashtag With Pleasure book, um, chances are we'll be sharing a lot of those things like in our stories. And if you click on With Pleasure books hashtag, you can see what everyone's sharing. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna do that with pleasure. I love this.